shouting for joy in this place right now. Come on, that's it. Come on, you don't have to leave here like you came tonight. You can leave here full of the joy of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let it flow right now. Praise God. Why don't you give the Lord a 47 song? Clap your hands, all your people. worship team, musicians. What an incredible presence of the Lord that's in this place right now. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I came to clap my hands. I came to stomp my feet. I came to lift him up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Give somebody a high five and tell them it's in this place tonight. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you tonight. If you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus chapter 27, I want to say uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Pastor Vasquez and the team in the Philippines having the Asian uh, Pacific Conference. He's there ministering and uh, I know I've made that trip many times and uh, I know how he feels about right now. And uh, he was on the plane for a probably... 18 hours yesterday and so just pray for his strength and pray that God would anoint him especially to minister to those sweet people in the Philippines your brothers and sisters there to Sister Vasquez thank you so much for your hospitality and your kindness it's just you know something about coming to Bethlehem it's like Sister St. Clair and I come here it's like we never left it's just like coming back to friends and family and it's just good to be here with you and we so appreciate the privilege and opportunity to minister to this great great church I don't take that for granted at all and it's especially a high honor for a pastor to uh, leave his church under my care while he's out of the country I feel honored tonight to be able to stand before you my, my, didn't the Holy Ghost move in this place this morning? I'm telling you, there were some miracles that happened in this place today. Exodus chapter 27 and verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. 
Thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same. Thou shalt overlay it with brass, and thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks. Everybody say flesh hooks. And his fire pans and all the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make it for, for it a grate of network of brass. And upon the net shall thou make four brazen rings in four corners thereof. Then First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 16. And by weight he gave gold for the tables of shoe bread for every table and likewise silver for the tables of silver. Also pure gold for the flesh hooks and the bowls and the cups and for the golden basins he gave gold by weight for every basin and likewise silver by weight for every basin of silver and for the altar of the incense refined gold by weight and gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubims and that spread out their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord all this said David the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. I want you to put your Bibles down, lift your hands to the Lord right now. We're going to ask God just to prepare the ground for the seed that's about to fall in this place tonight. Lord Jesus, God, I believe you've spoken to my heart, and now I ask you, God, to let me speak to the heart of your people. Help me, God, to follow the leading of your spirit. Touch the hearts of this, your great people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to take a few moments tonight to talk to you about this subject, the value of the flesh hook. The value of the flesh hook. In a thoughtful book on spiritual life, Carlos Villa, a Spanish monk who has lived much of his life in India, tells of a bicycle ride and a strange experience in the Indian countryside. He'd become aware, he writes, of an unusual silence in which all the normal noises and motions of nature seemed to come to a halt. And at first there was no discernible explanation and he was puzzled. But then Via said he saw something off to one side and the mystery became clear. There not far from where the monk stood with his bicycle was a snake. Its head slowly bobbing and weaving as it fixed upon a small bird perched on a lower branch of the shrub. And the bird seemed paralyzed as if locked in a hypnotic trance by the snake's motions. It appeared incapable of flight. Vias braced in anticipation of the snake's strike, wondering at the same time if there was something he could do to save the ill-fated bird. Then knowing no other alternative, 
He attempted to distract the snake by rushing toward it, waving his arms and shouting loudly. Perhaps his actions would also arouse the bird from its seeming stupor, and the effort was successful. The snake's arresting stare was broken, and the bird, free of the hypnosis, instantly spread its wings and leaped skyward. And when I read Carlos Villa's account of the moment I gained a bit of insight into a much more tragic issue, it's the picture of the spiritual captivity of mankind. The difficulty of living out a righteous life that is highly influenced by the issues of evil. And the questions come to mind. How in the human experience is the stare of the snake broken? Who has the power to break it? And what does the flight of the liberated one look like? It's one thing you can be sure of. If the snare is to be broken, it will only be broken by those who are concerned enough One who has a burden enough for others to do whatever it takes to distract the snake and free the one held captive by the snake's hypnotic stare. You see, we don't come into this place and have a choir sing like that choir sang tonight just for entertainment. We don't walk to the altar with our hands lifted and our voices raised just for spiritual calisthenics. But God has called you, the people of the Most High God, to break the stare of the snake with your worship, with your shout, with your praise. There's a drug addict or an alcoholic or a sinner or a backslider that's counting on some saint of God that won't sit back idly and let them go to hell or let them become prey to the snake. But you'll wave your hands. You'll lift your voice. You'll dance before God to break the stare of the snake. It's why tonight God put a preacher in your life. It's the pastor's responsibility to shout loud enough to awaken you from your spiritual trance. There's no doubt that from time to time you'll take offense at what pastor says or how he says it. But you must always bear in mind that all pastor is trying to do is free you from the stare of the snake. Your very salvation could depend upon it. 
Oh, I think there ought to be something different, some way different. No, not at all. The Bible said Paul writes and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me tonight. When we get to heaven, we will have a preacher or many preachers to thank. Why? Because we cannot be saved without a preacher. I don't care who you are, what kind of degrees you have on the wall, how many people you know, how much money you have, you cannot make it to heaven without the preacher. You need the preacher in your life to break the stare of the snake. For it pleased God, Paul said, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, Brother Carson, I, I've thought about what we do. To the world, it probably does look crazy. Some little short man with a red face standing behind a microphone screaming at folks every Sunday. It may look like some lesson in futility and sure seemed like there'd be a more easier, calm way to do it. But I'm going to tell you, I've never found anything about the devil that's calm, that's kind, that's easy. Come on, I've never found anything about it that he would ever embrace you and love you and care for you and your family. But I have found in a man of God that'll stand in a pulpit week in and week out and declare the word of God. I felt the embrace of the hand of God because God sent a man of God to say you can be free, you can be saved, you can live for God. why God established the five-fold ministry for the church to bring our lives into an array of influence that will keep us in right relationship with Him. A preacher is pl placed in our lives for perfecting. In other words, God gave us a pastor slash preacher to help us grow up. He gave us the ministry to help us mature as Christians. I, I'm, I'm going somewhere tonight. Just please, just give me a minute. I'm telling you tonight, without doubt, that the adversary, the devil, has unleashed an all-out no holds barred attack on the church. The family structure and especially the ministry. The ministry is under more strain now than ever before in the history of the church. There's an all out attack from the devil and his forces on God's man for the hour. You need to pray for your pastor. 
You need to pray for his family. For all the church leaders every day that God would protect them from the tricks of the enemy. Our challenge is greater than ever before. So let's go tonight to the greatest asset of the church. The altar. The altar. Let's go to the altar and get direction and get anointing and inspiration from God for these last days. You see, the altar is where the battle is really won. I want to tell this church, I spoke to some of your leaders earlier today, and I want to tell this church that we're living in a great time for the church. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say to you very clearly. Because we're living in a sifting and a separating time. Even in the apostolic movement, there are those that are compromising what once they believed and they don't believe it anymore. They may say they believe it, but they don't believe it anymore. Come on, somebody, help me right here. But I want to tell this church what I told a few of your leaders earlier. Some time ago, during what we call in Indiana, cuss word 19. You'll get it in a minute. During all of the time when the government was trying to shut us down and take control and the enemy was whispering in our ear, the church is on the brink of destruction. I'm going to use this to destroy the church. And I went to prayer. I started seeking God for an answer from God because I knew it wasn't true. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, tell my people everywhere you go that my church is not on the brink of destruction, but she's on the brink of distinction. Watch me right here. He said, you tell my people I'm about to do something in the midst of her that's going to cause her to stand out in the midst of her community like never before. Come on. There's going to be miracle signs and wonders outpouring of the anointing that destroys every come on hear me right now God said I'm going to anoint my people for this day when they walk in the Walmart when they walk on the job when they walk in their workplace I'm about to put an anointing on them and they're going to lay hands on people and pray for them in the public place that God's going to work right then Listen, listen to me. There's a revival that's coming to the church. It's twofold. I, I, I see all of these, all of these slips up here in, in these prodigal jars. It's where it's coming from. Watch. It's going to come from two places. It's going to come from backsliders and prodigals. They're coming home. You can watch now. They've tried a lot of things. They've gone a lot of places. And none of it worked. And now there's going to be a distinction that's set upon the church of the living God. And they're going to understand the only place where my life will ever be right is to make my way back to the house of God. The only way I'll ever be delivered. The only way I'll ever be saved. 
is if I make my way back to the house of God. And the second place it's coming from, it's coming from the denominal church. I don't want to hurt anybody right now, but I'm telling you that God's about to put something on this church that they're going to come from the Baptist church. They're going to come from the Methodist church. They're going to come from the Catholic church. God help me right now. I said they're going to come from every denominal church. Why? Not because they don't like theirs, but God's going to put a distinction on this place and they're going to come for healing. They're going to come for salvation. They're going to come for deliverance. They're going to come for direction. Come on, church. You can be seated. Tell your neighbor, it's time for us to build the altar. In Exodus 27, God gave three steps for effective altar building. First thing God said to do was to build an altar. Why? Because the only way to build a church is from the altar up. Now some of y'all, you were looking for something great big, weren't you? I said the only way to build a church is from the altar up. If the church doesn't have an altar doesn't have anything just just without the altar we have no true foundation without the altar we have no church a church without an altar is like a car without an engine it may look good but it'll never get you anywhere I want to tell you a little something about the COVID deal We have churches in our city that lock their doors, put a for sale sign in the yard, said we're done. Let me tell you something. Some of those folks have been in our baptistry. Some of those folks have been in the altar speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Get ready, Bethlehem, they're coming. I said they're coming, build them an altar because where the altar is, there's gonna be a move of God. There's no power in the church without prayer in the altar. I appreciate a full prayer room. Thank you for praying. Then he said, we need to build the altar broad. The altar must be broad enough to take in everybody. Somebody say everybody. Everybody. Take in every kind of person. It must be broad enough to take in the drunk and the drug addict and the convict and the ex-convict. Oh, you got to help me right here. The successful businessman, the doctor and the lawyer, the rich and the poor. No matter the problem and no matter the walk of life, 
the church's altar must be broad enough to receive every kind of person known to man. I, I, I don't know how some people think that perhaps there's going to be a neighborhood over here for certain kinds of folk and a neighborhood over here for certain kind of folk, but I don't read that anywhere. What I do read is that for about 30 minutes, there's going to be mass praise. And you want to know who that is? That's men, women, boys, and girls who've repented of their sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking a holy life, separated unto God. And when the trumpet sounds, we're all gonna stand together, red and yellow, black and white. Come on, somebody, rich and poor, educated and non-educated. We're going to the throne room of God and all we're going to do is cry holy, holy. It won't matter who's standing beside us, what they look like or where they come from. What will matter is they made it because a church had an altar broad enough. Finally, the Lord said we should build the altar long. It must be long enough to reach into the deepest depths of sin. It must be long enough to reach into every nation, kindred, and tongue. It must be long enough to reach into every household. We must have an effective altar. Now let me talk to you about the altar. And this is where I'm going tonight. The flesh hook anointing is coming to the church. In Exodus chapter 28, David laid out the plans for the furniture and the utensils to be used in the temple. He gave a specific weight of gold for the tables of showbread and he did likewise the silver. I read it to you, you heard it. The golden basins David gave gold by weight and did the same for silver basins. And for the altar of incense, he required refined gold by weight. But for the flesh hooks, David required pure gold. There was to be no mixing of the metals with a certain weight of gold or silver. For the flesh hooks were to be made of pure gold. The purpose of the flesh hook. Please give me your attention. Don't leave me right here because if you miss this, you miss everything I'm going to try to say. The purpose of the flesh hook was to place the smoldering sacrifice back on the center of the altar's fire. Because inadvertently, when the sacrifice was cooking, it would move off of the fire. The priest would stand by with flesh hooks. And when this would happen, he'd reach over and hook the meat and pull it back over 
the sacrificial flames. The writer in Deuteronomy said, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. The writer in Hebrews said, For our God is a consuming fire. Oh, in Exodus chapter 27, the flesh hook was overlaid with brass. It was merely a tool with a purpose. There was no need for it to be pretty as long as it was practical. But in chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles, we read where everything had to have a measure of gold. And we ask the question, One has to wonder why David would require gold and silver by weight on the temple furniture. But when it came to the flesh hooks, David required them to be made of pure gold. The reason was is because David understood the value of the flesh hook. Now, this is where It involves you and me tonight. We must understand David knew what it meant to move away from the flames of the altar. I'm telling you the things that I just spoke to you about the church and what's about to happen will not come without sacrifice. Will not come without a fight. Will not come with somebody that's not willing to put themselves on the altar. He knew what it meant to move from the red hot purifying fire of the Lord's presence. He knew what it meant to be pulled back over the fire by a preacher. When he made selfish choices and decisions, the Bible said the prophet Nathan approached King David and began telling him of a certain problem with his kingdom. There were four people, you know the story, a rich man that would be David, a poor man that would be Bathsheba's husband Uriah there was a little ewe lamb of course that would be Bathsheba and then there was a fourth person the traveler beware of the traveler because the traveler will make you lose focus the traveler will distract you from your purpose. The traveler will make you forget your identity. He'll make you forget your purpose. The scripture said, the rich man in Nathan's story would never have taken the ewe lamb if it hadn't been for the traveler who was hungry. You know the story. After hearing Nathan's story, David pronounced judgment. He said, that man should die. And then David hears the words. He hears the rattling of the flesh hook. David, thou art the man. And 
that old man of God, that old prophet of God takes a flesh hook. And now we're going to find out if David truly wants the favor of God or not. And he takes that flesh hook and David could have rebelled and said, who does that man of God think he is? Who does that preacher think he is to talk to me like that? I'm the king. But David, the Bible said, began to repent and oh, that prophet of God took the flesh hook and pulled him back on the altar of sacrifice again. Instead of getting mad at the messenger, he became repentant. And instead of the judgment of death that he deserved, God granted David grace. God met David with mercy and forgiveness. I have a prophetic word for this people tonight. I, the Lord thy God, shall walk in the midst of this people even this night. And as I walk, I will look for those that are willing to be consumed upon my altar by my fire. I will look for those that are willing to participate in the end time moving of my spirit that I have sent out among my people. This night I call you to the altar of sacrifice. Just like that sacrifice on that altar in the tabernacle. When the heat gets turned up, when difficulty arises, we have a tendency to want to move to the outer edge of the altar. It's getting too hot for me now. There's too much required of me now. I like it when I can be on the fringe and still enjoy enough church to salve my conscience but not be committed enough for God to do in me what he wants to do. And God sent this preacher on this Sunday night to tell you he's brought the flesh hook to this sanctuary tonight. And he's looking for someone that'll say, Lord, take the flesh hook and let me understand the value of it. God, let me hear the voice of the preacher. And God, put me back on the altar of sacrifice and let your fire consume my life. Oh, come on, I need you to help me right here. Remember, you can't be saved without a preacher. You ought to thank God for a preacher. It'll come on a Sunday night with a flesh hook in his hand. I'm not going to let you be lost. I'm not going to let you miss the greatest move of God that the church has ever seen. 
I'm calling you. I'm calling you and trying to pull you back on the fire of the altar tonight. Come on, pray, church. Shandolobo Korabaha. Ikandolobo Satay. Hiolobo Koramandaya. Hataramo Sata. Come on, I've come with a flesh hook of apostolic anointing and authority tonight to pull you back over the altar. Come on, you can't quit now. You can't bail out now. You can't tap out now. Come on, if there ever was a time you need to climb back up on the altar, say, oh, God, consume my life. Don't let there be anything in me, God, but you. Come on, that's it. Come on, the flesh hook, the value of the flesh hook. Come on, he wants you to climb back on that altar. He wants to pull you over the fire right now. Oh, come on, I wish, would to God that this whole church would respond right now. God's trying to send you a mighty move of God, but he won't do it if you're out on the fringes of the altar. He sent me with a flesh hook. Come on, I'm pulling you back on the altar tonight. Come on, I'm pulling you back on the altar tonight. Come on, come on, Bethlehem. Come on, this city needs you. This community needs you. This world needs you back on the altar. Your family can't have revival if you won't have an altar. Come on, your friends won't be saved if you can't have an altar. Oh, come on, that's it. Climb back on that altar. There's value in that flesh hook right now. There's value in that flesh hook. Come on, let it consume you. Let it consume your life tonight. somebody right now I'm telling you we need to be consumed by this thing we need to be consumed our lives need to be consumed by this thing come on you need to ask the Lord to let the fire of the altar burn in your life to purge and cleanse everything that's unlike God this world is depending on you you're the church of distinction in Marshall County. God's about to send the halt in the main, the addicted, the lost. He's about to send them here. But when they come, they have to find a people that have placed themselves upon the altar. God, would you take that flesh hook tonight? Would you use it on my life, God? God, I don't want there to be anything left in me but you. 
God, put me right in the center of the fire. Let it burn hotter than it's ever burned, God. Consume me, O oh Lord. Come on, would you ask God for that right now? Would you ask the Lord to consume you? Would you ask the Lord to consume your sacrifice tonight? In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Come on, I know it doesn't feel good. I know it's not pleasant. It's not pleasing to the flesh. But it's vital to the salvation of the world. It's vital to the salvation of this community. For you and me to be on the altar until we're consumed by Him. Well, I don't know how I could do anymore, preacher. Watch out. Just, just be careful right there. Come on, you're slipping out there on the edge of the altar tonight. You're taking yourself out of the heat. Come on, everybody in this building's got something more to give. I don't care who you are. You've got something more to give tonight. Would you bring it to the Lord? I'm asking you right now, would you bring it to the Lord and say, God, consume it. Consume it. Consume it. stare. The world's counting on you to break the stare of the snake. The only way to do it is for your life to be consumed and healed. Oh, there's somebody that's counting on you tonight to climb back up on that altar and say, oh, I'm not going to let the snake steal one more soul out of my life. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody tonight, be intentional. Somebody make up your mind. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to do everything I can to stay in the middle of the fire. Consume me. Consume me. Our God is a consuming fire. Would you please pray for somebody around you right now? Come on, I'm telling you, we don't want to miss what God's about to do. Would you find somebody and pray for them right now? We don't want to miss what God's about to do. Come on, you don't want anybody in this church to miss what God's about to do. It's going to be bigger and better than you've ever seen it in your life. It's going to be more powerful than you've ever experienced it in your life. Because you allow it to consume you. 
that's it. Cry out for your brother. Cry out for your sister. Come on, I'm not going to let life get in the way anymore. I'm going to be consumed by the life of God. I'm going to be consumed by the kingdom of God. My life is going to exist on an altar of sacrifice. That's it, church. Come on. I feel the Holy Ghost breaking that right now. I feel the Holy Ghost breaking through here right now. Come on, that's it. Keep praying. Keep praying right now.
If you sincerely and truly want God to move in this place like you've never seen before, I'd like for you to offer yourself unto the Lord right now as a sacrifice. A living sacrifice, the Bible said, holy and acceptable unto Him, which is your reasonable service. Come on, everywhere in this building, would you lift your hands right now and say, God, I offer myself a living sacrifice. Use me, God what you're about to do in this world. Don't let me miss it because I've climbed off the altar. Consume me, God. Come on, that's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus. Oh, that's it. That's it. Come on, He hears you right now. He's going to elevate your anointing. He's going to elevate your anointing because you're making yourself available to Him tonight. In Jesus' name. this moment right now. Take, take some moments. Take some time right now. Lift up your hands all over the room and surrender to Him. Come on, can we give Him everything right now? Can we give Him everything right now? That's what the altar's about. It's dying to ourself, dying to our will, dying to our way, surrendering to His. Come on, do it right now. God, we give you everything. We surrender all to you, Jesus. We give you our life. We give you our will. We give you our all. Everything to you right now, Jesus. Not my way, Lord, but your way. Not my will, but your will, oh God. In the name of Jesus. God, we deny ourselves. We take up our cross. We follow you. We crucify the flesh with the affections and with the lust thereof. God, in the name of Jesus, we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Not us, but Christ lives in us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we give you everything right now. We are surrendering to your will. God, we'll lay down whatever we got to lay down. We'll cut off whatever we got to cut off. God, we're asking that the all-consuming fire will burn everything away. Everything that's not like you. Everything that's not pleasing to you. Everything, oh God, that's against your will, contrary to your way. In the name of Jesus, burn out every iniquity. Burn out every evil imagination. Burn out every sin. Burn out every wrong attitude. Burn out every wrong agenda. Right now, in the name of Jesus name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands and surrender. Brother Ethan's going to sing one more time. Lift your hands and surrender right now. From the inside out I'm willing. With my hands up high I'm ready. Come on, are you ready right now? In your presence fill me. Take all I am, consume me. From the inside out I'm willing. With my hands
Lord, I'm yours. I'm ready. I'm yours. I surrender now. Come on, take everything. God, consume me with your fire. Consume me with the Holy Ghost fire. With my hands up high, I'm ready. When I'm in your presence, fill me. Take all I am, consume me. From the inside out, I'm willing. With my hands up high, I'm ready. When I'm in your presence, fill me. I want you to take just a moment and search yourself. If there's anything in your heart that's holding you back from going to that next level, why don't you lay it down on the altar right now? If there's something that God has been dealing with you about giving up, about letting go, or about adding to your life, why don't you go ahead and do that right now? I feel like right now is a time of commitment. That's what I feel. I feel right now is a time to make commitment unto the Lord that I'm through with this or I'm going to take upon this calling. I don't have the specific thing, but God's going to speak to you that specific thing. And right now is that time to commit. Why don't you lift your hands and ask God, what is it for me? I believe everybody has something. I believe everybody in this room has something. God wants to bring everybody in this room to another level. He doesn't want you leaving the same. Why don't you ask Him right now, what do I need to lay down at the altar? And what do I need to pick back up from the altar and bring with me? Come on, right now. Right now, right now. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, O God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord and give Him praise for the Word. Come on, let's let an atmosphere of praise fill the room right now, thanksgiving and adoration. Come on, take a moment and worship Him all over the room. Hallelujah, Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We have the honor and privilege today to hand out a couple baptismal certificates. Pamela Hicks got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is that baptismal certificate. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We got another one. We got another one. Alex Rutledge was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. Where's Alex at? Come on, give the Lord praise. Come on, we ought to to rejoice a little better than that. That's two more souls down in the name of Jesus. Two more paths washed away. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're about to dismiss this service in prayer, but before we do...
Um, remember, if you are a guest, a new member, or you have not yet been able to meet the staff here at Bethlehem Church, the leadership at Bethlehem Church, we have the meet and greet immediately after service. We have refreshments available for you. We want to treat you. We want to connect with you and get to know you. So be sure to be at that. That is right through the prayer room to the farthest door to the right. You'll see it back there. It's the discipleship room. Can we lift our hands one more time and pray this thing out? Father, we thank you for the word of God that was spoken unto us. We thank you for the moving of the Holy Ghost from the beginning to the end, God. We pray that everything that was spoken will be instilled in us. We pray, oh Lord, that this be not just a moment at a church service, but a change in lifestyle, oh God. God, let the seed of the word be sown in the good ground and bring forth much fruit. We pray it in your mighty name, in Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands one more time and shout hallelujah. There was a kingdom sound. And when the people of God lifted up their voices together, something supernatural began to happen. I'm gonna shout in this moment, but I just need you to raise up your voice and just, oh my God. Somebody worship until you feel the glory settle.